Welcome to episode 46 with Diego Tonatiu. We discuss the journey to pro football, life lessons, setbacks, confidence, motivation, habits, and so much more. Welcome to 8 Billion Gifts. This is your host, Sohil, a footballer, creative, and student. On this show, we talk to all kinds of people to discover their stories, their mindset, and their unique gift. What's going on, everyone? I am here with Diego And I'm super excited for this episode because Diego and I have been connected for about two, three years now. Uh, We got a similar journey going on, similar mindset. So we're going to be talking about a lot of interesting topics in this episode. Diego, what's going on? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. And it's funny because you say we've been connected for three years. But I remember before that as you being someone that I looked up to on social media. So kind of like having this podcast with you and us being, you know, friends, even though we've never met each other in person, but like virtual, um, you know, we've got the same mindset, same goals, same general philosophy on life. It's, it's, it's amazing what social media can do. But yeah, I'm doing great. Excited to be here. Good to hear. Yeah, it's been really interesting. Like, I think one year ago, I came on your podcast and we did a little episode for quarantine showing people tips that they can do. And as you mentioned, like we've just been connected throughout the years and it's really cool because we're on this similar journey. And even just, you know, having those calls every couple of weeks, every couple of months, just to motivate each other and see how our journey goes. But we haven't actually gotten the chance to meet in person, which I'm sure will happen very soon. Very soon. It's bound to happen. So let's start off by you giving everyone an introduction so uh, we can all get to know more about you, Diego. All right. So my name is Diego Tonatiu. That's my that's the name that I go by on social media. And my social media tag is Diego TGL. And I'm a footballer based in Vancouver, Canada. And, you know, my goal, just like Sohail's, is to play professionally, uh, you know, anywhere in the world. And I've been to South America, Uruguay in particular, and I've trialed for teams there. I've been to uh, I've been to France. I've been to Malta. I've been to Portugal. But none of those opportunities worked out for one reason or another and I've just been documenting my journey um, on social media Instagram TikTok YouTube and and now I'm here recording a podcast uh, with Sohail so still on the grind just like you are last couple months have been crazy Malta Portugal traveling everywhere yeah, no, these, these past six months have been probably the craziest six months of my life but also the best um, you know just doing what I love doesn't matter like the ups and downs it's all it's all uh, a joy I'm all I'm just blessed to be able to do it to be honest 100% we're going to talk about that because as you mentioned last couple of months have been crazy so much has happened so many lessons learned too to take into the future but before that one thing I really like about you Diego is you don't just have one focus it's not just about football but you have different interests and different skills and different passions you're going after Your podcast is called Live Life Complex, and I I know that's one of the main philosophies you live by. So let us know what does that mean, Live Life Complex. Yeah, no, it's uh, I can see why you need clarification on it. It's not exactly obvious on the get go. But my idea coming up with that was, well, there's two there's two really takes on Live Life Complex. It's the idea that life is inherently complex and it shouldn't just be lived, in my opinion, uh, you know, linearly. And then there's the other side of it where it's like live with a life complex. So, you know, I, I took a bit of a play on like a God complex or any sort of complex that, you know, one, one may have. And I decided to make like a positive twist on it in the sense that viewing life 
in the sense that, or I already said that, but viewing life as if there are endless possibilities. So just as one would have a God complex and think that they are above anyone, you have a life complex in thinking that life is just like, or it's like, it's like an empty canvas where you can paint anything you wish on it. Um, I don't know. That's kind of like the best way I can describe it. But yeah, so that's my philosophy. And I, and I bring that into my podcast and my Instagram and all my social media. And it's just the idea that there's just so much more to life than one aspect or one thing that you may be focusing on. I like that philosophy. And now the world going by so quickly too, there's more opportunities opening up. And I feel like, as you mentioned, you know, you have this empty canvas and if you can paint on it with, you know, a lot of different experiences and stories, then you're going to live a lot more of a rich life. So this idea of finding complexity in whatever it is, in whatever situation you're in right now, can be really special. So one of the things that I think about when I hear live life complex is obviously the word complex, which when a lot of people read that, they think, okay, you got to live life complex. And I think that's where some of the unknown behind that philosophy comes from. Yeah. So complex is a seemingly confusing term in the sense that why would you want to live life, uh, you know, with like all these different things going on? And it seems like very overwhelming and chaotic, but I feel like there's such simplicity in, in, in life. And it's not necessarily that it's complex to the sense that where it's confusing. It's more complex in the sense that there's so many possibilities and, you know, each one is necessary in balance to live like a fulfilling life. And that's just my take on it. You know, this is just my, based off my experience um, and sort of like what I've really, you know, taken from life thus far. This isn't a philosophy that, you know, I, I don't, th I'm not trying to preach to anyone. It's just what I believe. I believe that there's so many avenues to life and so many different things to be passionate about that, um, you know, there are ways to combine them all and live a fulfilling life. I think if you can live a balanced, complex life, then you're killing it, right? So you get a taste of a lot of different things, but it's still within balance so that you don't feel like you have too many things going on. Because I can relate to this currently right now. I'm working on so many different things. You know, I have a lot of passions like yourself. And sometimes it can get overwhelming, right? So there's a lot of benefit in trying out different things. But there also comes the downside of sometimes it gets overwhelmed. And then, you know, stress can add up. So if you can find the balance around all these different things you have going on, then I think you get the best of both worlds. 100%. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily like, I may have worded it wrong. It's not necessarily that you need to be doing a whole bunch of different things. It's just, it's just, you need to be aware that there are like, there are aspects to life that when taken into consideration, um, can make the one aspect that you're focusing on that much more enjoyable, that much easier. And I'll give an example. So like, you know, there's the basic like spiritual, mental, physical, um, being able to keep a balance of all three will make whatever area you're focused on the most a lot easier to pursue. For example, like if I'm if I'm playing if I'm focused on football, if I'm neglecting my my spiritual and and mental, uh, you know the, the spiritual and mental side of life, it'll make pursuing football a lot more difficult because I will be out of balance. And that's just that's just kind of how I how I view. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of how I view it. It makes sense, and we're gonna be talking about the various things that you got going on, like football, social media, and how all these things tie into living life complex. But on that topic of football, let's dive into that. Give us a brief summary 
of your football career. Obviously, so many different seasons, so many different experiences. But if you had to give us the brief summary of you as a youth player to where you are now, what would that be? So grew up in Vancouver playing in the system here and I never really played at the highest level. I was always kind of a late bloomer in the sense that I was never very good. And it wasn't that it wasn't for a lack of practice. It was just that I felt like I was behind everyone. And, you know, whether it be that I was shorter than everyone, smaller than everyone, um, you know, all these different factors, I never made it to the high level, to the highest level at a, at a youth level. So I was never put into, you know, the professional academies um, here in Vancouver. I was always kind of working my way up from the bottom. And it was only up until recently that I sort of made like the second highest level of youth football um, in Vancouver. And then once I did that, um, that's kind of when the journey really started. So that's when I started looking overseas for opportunities because I realized I'm getting a lot better a lot quicker. And I realized my um, I wasn't at my ceiling yet. So that's when I started, you know, I went to South America for a trial. Then I went, I already talked about it, I went to Europe. That's kind of where I'm at now. So just going back to your youth career, you mentioned that you didn't play at the highest levels. And you also said that it wasn't because you didn't put in the work, right? You're a very hardworking athlete and you still stick by that. So I'm wondering, what do you think got you to not be able to play at the highest levels when you were at the youth stage of your career? Was it just you didn't get put into that academy level environment? Were there other variables in play? Because I know there's going to be a lot of youth players listening to this who are currently, you know, in those ages of going through academy um, youth football. I'm wondering what was that like for you? It's a good question. Um, you know, I think it just comes down to raw ability. I don't necessarily think I'm like very talented. I think I just worked hard and it's a sport that I love. But another factor that I'm kind of thinking about, it might've been because, um, I was living life too complex <laughs> when I was younger. I, I had too many, I had too many interests and it, football wasn't my, my main focus. So, uh, just as a result of that, my attention was diverted into many different pathways. And whereas other you know, other people might've just been focused on football and therefore accelerated faster than I did. Um, yeah. So then as I got older, my focus narrowed down to just football and that's why I have, um, I, I feel like I've improved in the way I have so quickly. So. And you've also elevated the hard work, right? Like you're working hard, you're training, you're putting a lot more hours into it, right? So let's talk about that idea of hard work versus talent. I know that's something you're passionate about. So how do you think those two concepts played into your career? Oh, it's interesting because I think that no I think that no matter how much talent you have, hard work can always outwork that. Um, and I think that, you know, talent can can only get you so far. And I, I haven't just seen it in myself, but I've also seen it in my parents. Like my I feel like my dad is a very good example of this. You know, he was he's an artist and he just draws like every day, all day. And I see that. And he told me, he's like, I'm not talented. I just work hard. And so I see that and I sort of apply it to myself. And I think that, you know, even if someone is more talented than me, like I can always do the most on my part. I can, I, I have control over how much hard work I can put into this. And that's what I'm going to do. You know, talent is like, whether you have it or not, doesn't really matter. And that's an important point. Like the hard work, it's completely controllable. So you decide how hard you work. I think, as you mentioned, one thing that, you know, anybody who goes on to do anything great, 
no doubt there's some level of talent there, but no doubt there's also you know, a crazy amount of hard work that was put in. Because if you look at the greatest athletes, the greatest in any given field, uh, what really got them there is consistency over time. And it's that consistent hard work that they put in uh, that got them to achieve those, those big results. Because I'm sure you've seen it with a lot of players. Passion is common. You know, we're all excited. We want to go and achieve this big dream. But endurance is rare. Like who's going to keep showing up and keep putting in the work and keep going when there's setbacks and failures along the way. So, you know, I like that, the idea of hard work. And um, that's definitely going to get you uh, to a lot of places in life. You also mentioned something about, you know, the setbacks and it's the endurance of, uh, you know, enduring those setbacks. And I think the key to that is just changing your mindset on the fact that they are not setbacks. Like, I think viewing them as setbacks and failures is, is like it's like a ticking time bomb for you to give up. Like every time you don't achieve what you set out to achieve, if you view that as a setback, it's only a matter of time before you give up. Like when I, every time I get a rejection or anytime that something doesn't work out the way I've expected it to, um, I view it as just like an opportunity to take a different path. And obviously that path wasn't the right one that I was supposed to be supposed to be on. Um, so I think that helps with the endurance part of it. Like I'm never, I'll never let a setback dictate or change my 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 focus in life like that'll always remain the same doesn't matter what happens along the way yeah i like that mindset a lot that's one of the things i was going to ask you later on is how do you respond to setbacks and i love the idea of not really treating it as a setback one thing i've been thinking about a lot lately and trying to execute on is the idea of how do you turn a loss into a gain and the way to do that is to learn from it because every setback you have, every failure you have, there's going to be information provided, right? And the, the best move possible is to take that information and then use it for your future experiences because that's going to get you a lot more likely towards your goals. So it's all about the mindset you have. And in the moment, it's always going to be difficult. You know, like obviously you're going to be sad. You're going to be frustrated. Let's say you got cut from a trial. Let's say your plan, you know, didn't work out the way you wanted it to. So you're talking about how it's difficult um, in the moment, and I and I'm not saying at all that it's that it's easy to get rejected. Like I, I there's never been a moment where I've I've you know had a setback or or had a, a failure uh, where I've I've been happy. You know that's just I'm gonna be sad because I put in so much work and I was hoping that this would work out. But I feel like my attachment to the outcome is is not so strong that if that doesn't happen, everything else crumbles. It's like, I'm very flexible um, with, with, my, uh, with, with my goals. Like I've got a general goal, but how I get there, I'm not too worried about. If I go on a trial and I put all this work into it, I know that there's, there's a possibility that I'm, that I'm not gonna make it. And I feel like knowing that actually helps me play better because there's a lot less pressure. And when there's less pressure, I feel like I play better. So it's kind of like, a reverse mindset that you have to have and you have to be careful with it too because if you don't have enough attachment to your goal then you're not going to put in enough work because there's not enough urgency so it's a very fine balance um between two being too attached and not not, not attached enough that you don't work hard enough so one story i actually wanted to share with you today about setbacks you haven't heard this one before but the first time i went over to play in austria in 2018 so i had a couple weeks where I bounced around from team to team to team. And I eventually ended up at a club called Austria Salzburg. And at the time they were in the fourth division, 
but a crazy club culture. They would have hundreds, thousands of fans come out to games because they used to be in the top division and then they bounced down. Anyways, I go out to the trial. I'm there for a week. It doesn't work out because it was two weeks before the transfer window ended and they basically already had signed all their players, right? And so during that week, I had the chance of meeting one player on that team who then got me a trial at a different club in that same city. So what ended up happening is I went to that different club. I had a trial for a week. On the weekend, I played against the B team of Borussia Dortmund. I played 86 minutes, had a crazy game. This was in 2018. They signed me that weekend, and it was, I believe, a couple of days right before the transfer window ended. That ended up being my first season there. So the idea behind that story is it's easy to throw away a plan when it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Right, The plan was to go to that first club. It didn't work out. I could have thrown it aside. I could have gone back to Canada. I could have started from scratch. But the question becomes, how can you not throw away the plan, but instead find an advantage in the plan that didn't work out? How can you find the opportunity in the situation that didn't work out? So for me, that was talking with that teammate who then got me a trial for that different club. So I think in any setback you're going through, any challenge, any obstacle, there's always going to be some level of opportunity in there. And it starts with that mindset you talked about. If you can shift your perspective to start looking for those opportunities, now you're setting yourself up for, for the future when those challenges do come up. That's, that's an incredible story. And I think that perfectly describes that mindset. Just like when, it, when a setback comes, always being open to, to looking for these new opportunities. You know, you connected with that teammate. You, you weren't so set back that you just gave up and went home, which I've seen before. I've seen players do that before. I've heard of stories like that before. Um, yeah, where like it won't work out and they'll just dip. And that's not the way to do it because there's always something behind, um, you know, there's always, there's always a second option. There's always another path. So that's great. That's, I didn't know that. That's a good story. It's crazy how things change, how fast things change in the game. And I know you, you've had some of those stories too. And as you were talking about, um, you know, trying to find the opportunity in, in whatever happened, it got me thinking about how, and I'm sure you can relate. Let me know if, you know, this is something that ticks with you, but you know, on the path to going to achieving anything great, it's not really about not making mistakes, right? It's about how can you turn a mistake and make it good as quick as possible? Because we're all going to get knocked down. We're all going to have our failures. But the ones who go on to achieve great things, they're able to adapt and change that situation quickly to turn it into something good. So I think the idea of deciding what situations mean, you know, is highly effective, not only in football, on this dream we're chasing, but, you know, in all aspects of life. If you give a situation an empowering meaning, well, now you can find the opportunity and you can find the advantage into it. No, I mean, that 100% relates to me. And there's actually a couple points I want to touch on. So the first thing is the mistakes. Um, you said it's, it's about, um, how did you word it exactly? It's not about making mistakes? It's not about not making mistakes. It's about how quickly can you make those mistakes into a positive experience? How, can you, how quickly can you turn a bad situation into a good one? 100%. And I think on top of that, 
instead of trying to avoid mistakes, which generally would keep you in your comfort zone, I would try to make as many mistakes as possible um, as quick as you can. Because the more mistakes you can make, the quicker you'll learn, which means the better you'll get. And the more outside of your comfort zone you will get, which means the more used to being outside of your comfort zone you'll become. Um, and that's that's honestly one of the most important things in this journey is being able to adapt to situations outside of your comfort zone because that's basically what this is. You mentioned something great, which is you almost want to make mistakes, right? You almost want to put yourself into situations where the chances of making mistakes are high. Because as we talked about earlier with setbacks, um, when you make mistakes, there's always going to be information there that you can then take on to your future experiences. The, the thing I would add is you want to make mistakes with respect that the situation you're going into is getting you closer to your goals, right? And if you want to go and achieve anything great, you got to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Another thing that I've really found helpful to to help me step out of my comfort zone is surrounding myself with people that um, I either look up to or are more experienced in the area that I'm looking to pursue. So when I was in, in Malta, I was training with Daniel Fernandez, who is a ex-Portuguese uh, international goalkeeper. And by training with him, the level and intensity was so much higher. And it, it, I, I, I noticed like I could internally reflect on how it made me feel like he was very hard on me when we were training. And I hadn't really experienced, um, you know, that level of intensity before. And I, I, I never, I never felt quite outside of my comfort zone in that way. And it really made me realize and, and reflect on who am I spending my time with, um, that is keeping me in my comfort zone because I realized how good I felt, how every day felt like a step for like a big step forward towards my goals just by being with him, just by training with him. Um, so it just to me that really showed just how important the people you are around most often um, are to your to your goals. That's a very good point. Environment is super important. As you were talking, this came into my mind. I heard it a couple years ago. Essentially, with your environment, you want to surround yourself with about one third of people who are at a skill level that is above you, one third who is at your skill level, and then one third who is below your skill level. And the idea behind that is because the people above you, for example, with you, Daniel Fernandez, I saw him in, I think your recent video it was, and you could see him pushing you. And you could see you were making mistakes and you were trying to learn. So he's someone who he's at a higher skill level, right? So he's pushing you on and that's going to encourage you to try and lift up. But then at the same time, you also want to have people who are at your level, right? People who are going to be challenging you. And then you also want to have people who are kind of below you in terms of skill level because it gives you an opportunity to almost mentor and coach them. And that gives you a sense of motivation that you wouldn't have if you're only surrounded by people who are above you, right? Because if you go extreme out with that, then that can be a little bit demotivating. But I think on the flip side, most people actually don't do that enough. They actually don't have that third of people, um, you know, where the skill level is higher than where you're currently at. So I really like that idea surrounding yourself with people who are going to elevate you, who are going to challenge you. Because if you don't do that, then you're just going to operate at the same level you're at right now. That's that's kind of incredible. I, I anyone listening to this, take 
re- rewind that part and take notes because that resonated with me quite a bit. You know, I feel like sometimes I get caught up on the idea that I'm like very radical sometimes. So when I say like, okay, I need to surround myself with like people who are better than me, I'll, I'll go like all out. But having that perspective, like one third, one third, one third actually makes way more sense and seems a lot more healthy. So, um, but I, I think the only reason that I'm radical with that is because the one third uh, surrounding yourself with the people that are like better than you is a lot more difficult uh, than surrounding yourself with people who are like at the same level or below you. So that's kind of why I put emphasis on that. But what you said pretty much is was perfect. Yeah. And one thing I'll add on that topic is for anybody who is looking around at their current environment right now and, um, you know, with your current friends, you can't identify anybody who might be at a skill level above you. Well, this is the perfect time to connect with new people, add new people to your to your circle. So let's get back to the topic of your playing career. Your last couple of months have been crazy. You went to Portugal, then you went to Malta. Now you're back in Canada. So share with us either a story or a lesson from Portugal, from Malta, from anything that comes up over your crazy six, nine months, however long it was. So there's one that jumps out to me in particular, and uh, it's one that I shared on social media the most. So the first trial that I went for in Portugal um, didn't end up working out. And I remember feeling very upset about that because I thought it went really well. But for some reason or another, the coach just didn't like me. Um, and I, I honestly, I didn't really know what I was going to do. So I'm in Portugal. I'm spending money paying for a place. And I don't really have a plan B. Like I do, but nothing immediate. So uh, me and Race, who I was with, uh, he was with me uh, throughout the entire journey. We decided to go out to try to find a field to practice on. And we're, uh, you know, we, we go on Google Maps, look around for patches of grass or whatever, or anything that remotely looks like a field and we'll bus or walk to it. So we find one and it looks like a public field. Little do we know there really isn't any public fields in Portugal. So we go to it and uh, it turns out it's a club. Now, there's, it looks like the team's training on there. So long story short, I basically go ask, uh, you know, I, I don't speak Portuguese. So <laughs> this is like, comp- this is something that I probably would have never have done previously. So this is an, an example of me stepping out of my comfort zone and actually being rewarded for that. So I ended up getting a trial for them just by asking them, telling them my situation. You know, so I was looking for a team. I'm from Canada. Um, and, you know, I was blessed enough to have been given an opportunity to, you know, I was, I trained with him for like almost, uh, um, I want to say like almost a month. So, but you know, that didn't work out just because of the timing. I wasn't there, you know, at the right time. They already, they already had their full squad, but they did like me and they, I actually got the coach's number. And from that, they helped me, you know, get in contact with other teams. So stepping out of my comfort zone, once again, led to something positive, you know, in the journey. So that's a great example. I'm wondering though, right in that moment, if you remember, right in that moment when you're thinking about approaching the coach for a trial or whoever was at the club, I think you can relate to this and I think everybody listening to this can relate to this. We all have those ideas of, I should go and do this, but then all the voices come in our head. You know, should I do this? You know, it goes back and forth. So in that moment, did you have any of that? And if so, what got you to actually make that step out of your comfort zone and go and approach the coach. Because I feel like a lot of players, including myself, 
have had moments before where we want to have an interaction, but then we actually don't go in and successfully complete that. But if we did, it would have led to something incredible like it did for yourself. That's a really good question. I'm trying to think back to the moment. And the only thing I can kind of come up with is just the, I feel like at the time I was really working on training myself to not be attached to the outcome. So I was, I I worked through it in my head. If I don't ask, I'm going to, it's nothing's going to come out of it. If I go ask, there may be a chance that something comes out of it. And worst case scenario, nothing comes out of it. I end up in the same place. So I figured the only chance of me having um, or the only, I guess, path that I could take with, with a chance of me having something come out of it is if I go ask. So, you know, I just uh, I just decided, like, you know, no one's going to know if I get rejected. No one's going to know what could, what could happen unless I go ask. So I did it. I don't know. Like, that's, that's kind of just went through my head. And I kind of, you know, the less time I spent thinking about it, the easier it was to do it. So I just went and did it. And I thought about it after. And I realized I'm glad I did it. And then, you know, that opened the door. I'll do it again because now I know the possibility of, of, you know, what can happen when I step out of my comfort zone like that. It's really interesting. I like how you talked about you just did it quick. Like I think time allows fear to add up. So if you can eliminate time and if you can actually just go and act on what you want to do, given it's going to get you close to your goals, well, it's going to be a lot more easier to step out of your comfort zone. 100%. So you mentioned something about not having a lot of money while you're down there. And I know right now, I see in your stories, you're working hard, doing a lot of labor work, trying trying to save up for the next opportunity. One of the topics you want to talk about is income sources for players while pursuing the goal of signing the pro contract. So I'll kind of let you take the floor, you know, whatever comes to mind in terms of how to generate money to be able to fund the dream and how you should be thinking about that process. Yeah, you know, um, so I've had to fund my journey myself and that just comes from, uh, you know, when I was younger, I started working young and uh, I've, I've really noticed that all of my opportunities in life in general, not just work or football related, have come from having good relationships and connections with people. So, you know, from a young age, um, I, I got a job and I was never really one to spend money on things that um, wouldn't help me you know, further me towards my goal. So I never really bought like, you know, spent, spent money going out or, or buying clothes. And I, and it didn't really click. Like I didn't do that because I was like, Oh, I'm saving for football, but I'm so glad that I did have that mindset because I did end up needing that money for football. Um, and now, um, you know, I take that a lot more seriously now where, you know, I really work hard to earn my money and I'll spend it wisely because I do know that at any moment in time I could have an opportunity to go overseas and I'll need that saved up money. So, you know, if you're a young footballer listening to this right now and you don't have a job and and that's what's holding you back from going overseas and pursuing your dream or whatever it may be, reach out to anyone that you know, that you have a good relationship with um, and ask them if they have any opportunities for, for work. You really have to put yourself out on a limb here and it may be kind of awkward or, or uncomfortable doing this, but if you truly want to achieve uh, this goal, then you have to kind of put yourself out there sometimes. So, you know, ask a friend, ask your family, whatever odd jobs you can get, um, you know, just, just make the most of any opportunities that you don't know exist, but if you reach out, could happen. Yeah, connections are... So, so important. I can really relate to what you said about connections getting you to, you know, wherever you're at right now and everything you have achieved in your life. Just to give some 
very straight up ideas for anyone listening who's completely lost in terms of jobs. Some of the things that have worked for me is coaching. I think that's a great one because you're directly in the game and you're almost learning on the job. I also actually do strength and conditioning coaching where I can work out and get get paid for it. So that could be a good job as well. One other thing that comes to mind is anything around media. So doing editing, doing um, any type of filmmaking production work for clients or companies. And obviously it's going to be a skill that you need to learn. But Diego, I think you can relate to this. Being able to generate content and market yourself is one of the most useful skills in life. So if you have a side hustle and being able to generate money from that, and then also be able to use it for your own life, well, then that's the perfect combination. So yeah, what the jobs that you mentioned um, are actually very, yeah, like I, I've, I coach as well. I've done labor work and, but at this, but again, like you need someone to get into those jobs. Like I couldn't just do labor work without, you know, knowing the right people. So that's why, you know, I just want to stress, I know I've already said it, but just really making sure that you keep good relations with, um, you know, your coaches, your teammates, anyone that comes into your life, because you never know what they could, you know, provide for you in the future. And it's not not so much that you're keeping good relations because you're hoping that they'll provide something for you, because I feel like that never works. Whenever you take, whenever you take, um, you or it's never good to go into something expecting anything so you want to make sure that you just keep good relations just because um you know that's like a good thing to do and then as a bonus some things might happen in the future another thing i want to add on to that is you know how you mentioned that editing and and promoting yourself on social media is is not only like a great way to make a side income but also to further you towards your goals and i don't want to dive back into the rabbit hole of live life complex but i do want to say that that is also another aspect of the philosophy of being able to um, have multiple things further you towards your goal. So, you know, for me, it's like social media. It's great because that's, some, that's a side passion, but it's also helping me towards football. So I can combine the two and use that to, uh, like I've already said, further me towards my goal. So if your work can do that, you can make money and like you said, work out. That's just like, you're just making the most of, of life, I feel like. I agree. If you can get a job where it closely aligns with your goal, then you know, you're in a very good setup. Let's touch on the soccer system in Canada. This is one of the topics you want to talk about. And I think it's a relevant one because we're both, we played in Canada for so many years and now we're looking to make the move somewhere else. But what are your thoughts on the soccer system in Canada? I mean, very put very simply, like I don't have to talk too much about this, but put very simply, I just wish there were more professional, um, you know, systems youth systems in particular to be put into like in Vancouver we only have the white caps and now we've just recently had the CPL team but it's not like they have very accessible um feeder teams like there's no system to really work up to make it into that like well technically there is but it's not direct and and it's very political <laughs> and I think that's just how it is everywhere but it would be nice and obviously I understand that it's a very underdeveloped country in in the football sense so you know it makes sense I'm not saying that there should be more professional teams but I feel like the capitalist system uh sort of prov- you know like no rele- relegation promotion um all those things that help make a football culture are just lacking in Canada and I think that really greatly affects the opportunities for young footballers 
Yeah, the pay-to-play system doesn't help at all. It makes it very challenging for youth players who don't have the greatest resources to make their way up in the game. And I mean, there's so many things that could use improvement. There are some things being done, and you know, I'm always optimistic for the future. But the reality is, the situation is what it is. Now, how are you going to react to it? So I would say if you're a youth player in Canada, a couple things you can do. Get on the best possible local team in your area. Be the best possible player on that team. So that comes with doing a lot of individual training on your own. And then some of the tools you want to start thinking about is having a highlight video and also having a CV because that's going to help you get up to a higher level, whether that be in Canada or somewhere outside of Canada. And just touching back on what you talked about earlier with connections ties back into it, right? If you're a good player, if you're a great player, if you have the tools and then you have the connections, well, now you're setting yourself up to come out of the system, uh, which is not the best possible system here in Canada. Unfortunately, the reason why, um, well, it's not unfortunate, but the reason why I harp so much about why connections are so important, and I really learned this, you know, over the past six months in Portugal and Malta, is partly due to the fact that in Canada there isn't a natural system uh, or a natural pathway to pro. So you really have to put in the work, prove to, you know, people that you're you're good enough to make it and then really capitalize on every single opportunity you are given. Um, And like I've said before, that just means keeping good relationships with people, uh, networking, um, just the whole deal. I agree. How do you think social media has affected your journey? Try and take a quick moment to picture you without YouTube, without Instagram, without any of the social media compared to you having it. How do you think it's impacted you in a positive or negative way? I'll be honest. I think it's 100% positive and I don't see myself even remotely close to where I am without it. I think it's been one of the best decisions I've made in my life, period. Um, Don't really know how it started. Um... I don't really know how I got here. Um, not saying that I'm anywhere uh, specific, but I think I can credit social media for almost every single opportunity I've been given thus far. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that every footballer should start a social media account and document their journey, but I think it's a gr- not only a great way to put yourself out there for connections, but also a great way to reflect upon yourself you know the whole i it's not just about football but also like growing as a person and being able to really see your journey um you know like in front of you by recording it or documenting it you can learn a lot more a lot quicker not only about yourself but your football skills and um just being integrated into that community is also very motivating like when i see you doing your thing I'm like, shit, I got to keep going too. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, there's no, it's just, I don't know. It's a, I think it's a beautiful thing, but it's very, you know, obviously it's very, like with anything, it's very easy to get sucked into like the negative aspects of it. But I think social media, if used properly, is like 100% positive. I agree. One interesting thing that just popped into my mind too is it almost creates a positive sense of accountability in your life where you want to improve as a person because you're putting yourself out there and you need to be careful with it. But if you balance it the right way, 
it almost gives you that push to want to improve, to want to get better and to want to achieve that big goal you have, right? Because it would be very disappointing to have started something, you know, now you're into it weeks, months, years, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. So for myself, this at the beginning of this year, actually, I on TikTok specifically, I wanted to I really wanted to add positive pressure in my life, specifically in this area of football. And so I, you know, put out the the huge challenge of trying to sign a pro contract in the next 365 days. Will it happen in the year? I don't know. But just putting that out there has really put the pressure on me to up my training, to up my connections, to up my mindset, to try and make the big vision happen. And I would bet that a lot of you've done a lot of things that you wouldn't have normally done if you didn't have the pressure of social media or the pressure you put on yourself. And it's not even so much that it's pressure because pressure is like, it's like something that's not good. This is like a, this is like a, a beautiful pressure because it's one that you put on yourself. It's one that, it's one that, uh, yeah, like uh, for me, I'm someone that really craves structure and that thrives in, in, a, in a system, uh, that, that, that I, that I can create for myself. So, I'm sure you've noticed and I'm sure people that follow me have noticed that I'll go sometimes through lapses of like just like I, sometimes I just won't post anything and that's really me like mentally figuring myself out but as soon as I get going and as soon as I get that accountability going again and I get that you know that schedule um, life not only not only social media but life as a whole just I feel like is just like on the up and and things are just going like life just gets amazing when I've got that wave of momentum going. And I feel like it all starts from that accountability that comes with social media. What if you're on the flip side of that wave? What if you're just coming back from Malta? You know, things didn't really work out the way you wanted them to. You come back not being sure if people would be interested in your content, right? So you're on the complete flip side of that momentum. Everything's going good. How do you handle those situations? Well, there's two things I want to touch on here. The first is I'm not someone who's uh, who who just encourages blind positivity. I'm not someone who's like you got to be positive all the time, motivated all the time. I think that's like super toxic, and it's tough for me sometimes to to take my own advice. So when I got back from Malta, I expected to continue that you know wave of momentum, all that adrenaline from from uh, from the trip rather than realizing that it's not going to be like that and, and it's, it's okay. I'm going to go through a period coming back from Malta where it's not going to, it's not going to have the same excitement. And I just got to embrace that. I just have to accept the fact that that's the reality of things and make the most of it. So I didn't and um, I struggled for, I'd say like two weeks, like mentally it's like a really like difficult time for me like I really let myself go I wasn't training wasn't posting on social media I wasn't uh, taking care of myself and it was tough and uh, I, it was a great lesson though because now I understand more about how my mind works and uh, the things I need to implement into my life to prevent something like that from happening again so really great experience really glad that I went through those two weeks because I learned so much about myself and the second thing I wanted to talk about was the, you know, what you said, people not being interested in the content that I was going to make. And I think, um, you know, again, I had to understand that I'm not in Malta anymore. I can't make content the same as I was in Malta. So I have to just stay in my lane and take advantage of what the opportunity 
that presented itself was. So obviously I'm not going to be, you know, like doing crazy stuff like, uh, you know, like homeless or whatever, like all the videos that I was making, like at one point I didn't have a place to sleep or like we're looking for fields, we didn't have food, all that stuff. Like that's not, it's not going to be as exciting, but I can take advantage of um, important things being back in, in Canada and I can take advantage of that and try to make that exciting in its own right and, and informative in its own right. So staying in my lane and understanding what opportunity um, presents itself and taking advantage of that rather than trying to do something that isn't like realistic, if that makes any sense. Yeah, exactly. Just understanding that you're going to have the highs, you're going to have those moments where momentum is on your side, life is exciting, but then you're also going to have the moments where you know things just aren't going to be ex- as exciting and being okay with that and not just being okay with it, but also embracing it. Because how boring would it be if our journey, think of a roller coaster. How boring would it be if you're only going up? Like the whole ride, you're just going up, right? You want the ups, you want the downs. That's what makes your journey special. And so, you know, I can relate to that. Every time I've come back, there's been that mental barrier you need to overcome. But again, going through the experience, you learn so much. You, you really do. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, just like a last point, those past six months traveling around being outside my comfort zone, I feel like I've grown the most as a, both a footballer and a person. So a lot can happen in a short period of time. So if you feel like you haven't done anything or feel like nothing's, um, you know, coming up, anything can happen at any moment. And it, it doesn't take very long for, for things to accelerate. On the topic of that challenging time you went through, I'm wondering what is something that currently comes to mind that you're struggling with? This can be something with your mindset. This can be habits, behaviors, anything that you're currently struggling with in your life and that you're looking to improve. So I'm struggling with a lot of things. And I feel like one thing that I'm paying extra uh, you know, attention to right now is just being present and enjoying day-to-day life. Uh, you know, I feel like maybe before I would have been really focused on what's coming up and and sort of just grinding without appreciating life for what it is. Because at the end of the day, you know, what is achieving those goals if you didn't enjoy the journey along the way? So that's one thing that I'm just really trying to pay extra attention to is, you know, appreciate my family, appreciate every meal that I have, appreciate my friends, appreciate the, you know, the place that I live, the weather, everything. Um, and I feel like it just makes the grind a lot more enjoyable. I can relate to that. Something I've been focused on a lot more, being present, enjoying the day-to-day, finding gratitude in things. The biggest failure is getting to the end goal and being unfulfilled. And fulfillment doesn't just come at the end, it comes throughout the process, right? So we hear trust the process a lot, and I love that mindset. I think you do need to trust the process if you're giving it 100% effort. I think something to add on top of that is also to enjoy the process. Because so many of us, we get caught up into those failures, into those setbacks, into even the future, just thinking about what could happen, what if, you know, what if not. And it takes away from the joy of the moment. So, you know, truly enjoying the process today, the present, if you can consistently do that, you're going to enjoy your journey a lot more. And when you do reach the end of it, you're going to be a lot more fulfilled. And I think something to add on to that, when you do reach the end, you'll realize that it's actually not the goal that brings, 
you know, any lasting ful- fulfillment at all. It was the memories along the way. And that's something I remind myself about all the time because that helps me not become too attached to the outcome. You know, like that, that's what helps me get over these setbacks because I realize this is another opportunity to have a crazy story to tell. This is another opportunity to have, you know, like a memorable moment in my life. So it's never a setback for me. It's just like, like I, I, I get excited sometimes when things don't go as planned because it's like, yo, I wasn't expecting this. What, what's, what's life going to throw at me next? Like I'm, I'm prepared for everything and nothing at the same time. I'm so excited to see what happens. So that's my mindset on that. And yeah, it's always, it's always about the journey. Enjoy the journey. Yeah. It's the memories. One thing I remember about your time in, I think it was either Portugal or Malta was when you traveled all the way to that field and there was no tryout happening. And then you needed to come back all the way. Like those are the memories you're going to, you're actually going to think about, you know, and, and that's what makes your journey. I actually got in trouble for posting that video by the owner of that club. Oh. Um, oh yeah, like so much, so many things happened on the trip that I wasn't able to post about just because of like connection reasons. Um, like I didn't want to burn any bridges, but yeah, I actually got in trouble because the reason why that the um, the practice was uh, was was off was because the players were on strike. I can speak about it now because like it doesn't really matter, but yeah, the players were on strike because they weren't being paid. And I said that in the video without really thinking it through. And I just posted it. And then, you know, the I had a meeting with the owner one day uh, before practice. And I was like, what, what does he want to talk to me about? I'm like super confused. And he's like, well, we can talk about the story another time. But yeah, long story short, he was kind of upset about that. But still worked out in the end because I feel like I'm a nice guy. And I was I understood that. And I, I said, I'm, I apologize. And, you know, I reflected on myself. And yeah, let's talk about confidence. How do you build your confidence? So that's a, that's a really good question. And it's, it, I'm trying to think of the best way to, to put it. And I want to say that social media actually had a lot to do with that. While social media can do a lot to harm your confidence, I feel like if you have the right sort of mindset around it, um, you know, all the negativity uh, that you may receive does actually do more good. Like it can help boost your confidence because by getting over every single negative comment you realize none of it actually matters and uh having low confidence is just letting other people's assumed opinions get to you so putting yourself out there exposing yourself to the world really helps you build a a thick layer of skin quick and uh that's what you need to face all the rejection that will come your way in the football world yeah that's a good one One that just came to my mind more on a personal level and one that I'm trying to practice every single day is keeping the promises I make to myself. So if I say I'm going to do something, I do my absolute best to follow through with it. Because every time you tell yourself you're going to do something, I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to get this training session in, whatever it is, every time you say you're going to do something, and you don't follow through with it, now you're losing trust with yourself, right? On the flip side of that, every time you say you're going to do something, but then you actually follow through with it, now you're creating a pattern where you can trust yourself. And through that, you become more confident. So that's something I've been experimenting with more on a personal level. And I found that has really helped me get into a, a confident state, right? Because confidence fluctuates but if you can build up that pattern of keeping the promises you make to yourself then you're going to be a lot more confident whoa that that was really well put what 
never thought about it like that. I'm. I feel like I'm learning from this podcast. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just took away. I need to have a moment there. Um, Can you relate to that at all? Like, think back to the last couple of days or weeks, the days where you have kept the promises you made to yourself and actually followed through with what you're saying. Like, you just feel better about yourself, and you have that that momentum taking you through the day. Yeah, no, I 100% relate to that. That uh, you know, I didn't realize it, but that's that's what was that's what was happening. Like I don't think I've ever really analyzed how I've become more confident over time, but that that's definitely that's definitely it. keeping the promises you make to yourself uh sort of creates that momentum wave where you just sort of like feel unstoppable. But the higher you go up, the harder you fall. So that's where that's where uh like I've struggled sometimes is where like I'll get to like an extreme high and feel like amazing and something will happen unexpected. And I don't catch myself and I fall. And then I get into like, you know, a week or two of like just spiraling and it, it never feels good. But like I've already said, I've learned from that and I'll continue to learn from that. But yeah, definitely keeping yourself accountable and following through with that is what confidence really comes down to. And I think there's no real answer to like, how do I become more confident? Because I get that question a lot from from young footballers. They always ask me like, you know, how do you become confident? And it's like, there's no like one, two step process that you can follow to become more confident. I think, you know, honestly, I think that part of it just has to be, you have to experience setbacks or supposed setbacks. You have to experience that and you have to really like go through hard times to to have confidence in yourself to, to bounce back. And you mentioned a great point about actually having to go through the setbacks. To add on to that, I would say also acknowledging that you've gone through the setbacks and you came out stronger how easy is it for us to go through all these challenges and setbacks we've had in life, but only focus on what's next? If we actually take a moment to turn 180, and yes, you want to be in the present and you want to be focused on the future at times, but if we take a moment, turn 180 and look at all of the crazy challenges and setbacks we went through, that gives you a little bit of power to then take on the next big setback that you're about to be faced with. But if you don't take that moment to look back, well, then you don't have any momentum to work off of for the next big challenge ahead of you. Yeah, it's almost like you have to give yourself credit and you have to, it's yeah. not It's not even like being like egotistical. It's, 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 because, uh, you know, egotistical people are confident, but that's not sort of, that's not the sort of confident that confidence that you, that you, I feel like you would really want. It's more of a, a humble confidence and knowing that you're capable of anything that comes your way, but also knowing that you are naive in the sense that life is so diverse that, you know, um, something could come your way that you are not capable of handling. It's such, such an interesting topic. Like, yeah, I, I love that topic, but yeah. Yeah, so many different layers to it. I'll just add a couple of straightforward tools that I've personally used. One that comes to mind is individual training. I mean, we've all done it, but if you think about it in terms of football, the more individual training you do, and when I say individual training, I'm talking about some level of deliberate practice. If you haven't heard that before, look into it. But if you do some level of deliberate practice consistently, you're getting the extra reps in so that when you head back to team training or games, you're going to be a lot more confident in your abilities. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And the second I would say is something that I'm more actively experimenting with is positive self-talk. So I'm trying to create a pattern of positive thought throughout my day. And 
by doing that, I've just found myself to be a lot more confident. So let me know if those two relate to you, Diego, or if there's anything else that comes your way in terms of building confidence. No, no, no. Those definitely relate to me. And I kind of love how like every time there's a question brought up in this, like I'll go on some rant or tangent about it and then you'll bring it back to like very practical points. I think that's so good because if it was just me, people would come out of this with just like, okay, what the fuck did I just listen to? <laughs> um, but no, those those were really good practical points. The positive self-talk, I've been trying to do that more. I used to think that was kind of... um like corny but then uh but then i sort of realized like how malleable our mind is and how powerful even just simply being like saying like oh, i'm feeling good today like or um you know uh it's a beautiful day no like just those just those simple things that are positive uh can actually make such a big impact um you know uh, um you know on your day and if you do it consistently it becomes a habit and then you know habits become you know your personality and who, and who you are as a person. So you want to keep instilling those positive habits. How have your stress levels been lately and how have you been managing with them? I feel like that's one thing that I'm lucky with. I don't really get stressed. Like I used to, okay. It's funny because I used to be a really low, I used to have really low confidence, but now I feel like I'm a very confident person. I used to get really stressed and anxious about things. Uh, but now I feel like I'm not stressed or anxious about anything. And I think, like I've said before, it just comes from experiencing what being really stressed and anxious about things was like, and realizing that it doesn't bring any value to my life. Um, you know, there are times when being stressed about something can create urgency, but I feel like that urgency can be created without the negative effects that stress does bring to your life. So I, it, to, for me, it's just the understanding of that and the consistent switch in mindset on a daily basis that's now created this habit of knowing that something important is coming my way, but not being stressed or anxious about it. Just accepting the fact that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen and I'm going to do my best in the moment. And if it doesn't work out, it's okay. I move on with life. And if it does work out, great. We move on to the next thing. Like, I, I can't really remember the last time I felt stressed or anxious about anything. It's a really good mindset. The more you can remind yourself of that perspective shift you talked about, then the better you're going to be able to manage that stress. And the worst thing is when you have the long-term stress, right? We're all going to have moments where we're stressed. Like let's say you're going for a trial. I think it's healthy to have some level of stress because that actually prepares you for the trial. But once you get to that point where days go on, weeks go on, and you're still stressed about what's happening next, then you're not in a great place. So it's good that, you know, you have that great mindset because I know you just came back from Malta, a lot going on. You had that crazy thing where I think you went to Toronto and then they, they made you go to a hotel and maybe quickly share that story with us. That, that was an interesting one. Yeah, I'll share the story, but I kind of just want to like rephrase what I said earlier, just like really quickly. Go for it. I don't want it to make it seem like I'm not stressed or anxious or anything because that's 100% not true. I definitely do get stressed and anxious about things, but I feel like just my ability to overcome that and and it has become a lot has become a lot quicker. Whereas before, I'd let it sit and dwell and then let it get to me. So whereas now, like I accept, okay, I'm stressed. That you know, it's something I don't know what's gonna happen next. I'm anxious. I don't know what's gonna happen next. But now I recognize it and I'm able to like tackle it a lot quicker. But yeah, so the story in Toronto. Um, yeah, so when I came back from Canada, or sorry, came back to Canada from Malta. Um, you know, it was a, it was a crazy, crazy plane ride. A lot of things that we didn't expect happened. And one of those, um, 
was having to stay in Toronto for, I think it was like three days, but we were just locked in a room with no, like we could, we were just like, it was the worst experience. Like it's basically like prison, except we're in like a nice hotel room or like a decent like hotel room. Um, and you know, we were brought up food like three times a day. So I'm someone who usually eats quite a bit and I was basically like starving like I would I would like ration out my food like they'd give me like a little plate of like rice and I'm vegan as well too so like the options weren't as like so I was with race so he would get like meat or something and I feel like it's a lot more satisfying than like rice and beans so I get like a little bit of rice and beans and I have to like ration that out for the rest of the day but you know what it was it was a memorable experience it was definitely not like enjoyable but it's memorable and I'm glad it happened um, but that was that was a crazy time yeah yeah, it seemed like a crazy time. How do you create motivation when motivation is low? Ooh, great question. Accountability. Um, you know, and for me, that comes from social media. So I experienced this recently, like we already talked about when I came back from Malta. Very low motivation to do anything because, you know, just coming off the adrenaline high that was that trip. It was, uh, you know, back to Vancouver where nothing really exciting is happening. Nothing uh, you know, opportunity wise is available and we are in a pandemic. So that just makes it even worse. Motivation levels were really low. Um, social media helped me get back on track and I don't know what I would do without it. So I don't, I don't really have a, an answer, um, for anyone that doesn't use social media as a tool for motivation. I can try to think, but if you have anything to add to that, I would, I would, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've been using is having systems in place. So for example, motivation comes and goes, but if you have specific systems in place, that's going to help you be disciplined in the moment. So just to give an example, let's say you don't feel like training, but one system you have in place is that at the beginning of every single day, you get out your notebook and you write down what your goal is and what it takes to make it to that goal. If you have that system in place, you do that every single day, well, now you have something that can potentially and will create motivation for you in that moment to go and follow through with your training session. Motivation comes and goes, but systems stay in place, right? And everybody's going to have their own unique system, but having a system in place, having a set structure can help you build motivation when it's low and all it really takes is just to kickstart the motivation. Because once you get that small win of going out to train, well then now you take on the bigger task and the bigger task and it keeps building. That's that's perfectly said and I was, I, I was gonna say something similar, um, you know, just like don't put too much stress on yourself that you have to do so much. Like start off with a little bit and then you'll realize that wasn't that hard. In fact, I want to do more. So then you'll do more and you'll add on top of that. I just want to give a quick example. Like if I ever feel like I don't, if I ever feel like not training, I'll go to the field and, you know, I'll, I'll zone out, listen to music and I'll just start with like juggling. And then I'll realize this is what I love to do. Why did I not feel like training? I'm going to do a full session. So just by like getting out there, being in that environment oftentimes helps kickstart that, you know, that like that motivation again. And I don't, I think it's, I think it's incorrect you know, just based off experience to be seeking for motivation as a catalyst for going out and getting these things done. I think, I think there needs to be something deeper than just these, this, these fleeting moments of motivation to, uh, you know, practice your craft. Like, obviously there's going to be times where you don't feel like doing it, but there has to be a deeper 
a deeper meaning behind everything you do rather than just like oh i'm feeling like fired up today i'm gonna go do it but tomorrow might be different you know what i mean exactly and i think the deeper that meaning is the more sustained motivation you're gonna have the deeper reason the deeper your why the deeper your purpose well that's gonna you know create that long-term motivation and also it's gonna give you extra perseverance when you're going through a challenge or an obstacle because you remind yourself as to why it is what you're going through and if it's a big enough why you're likely going to get through whatever it is you're going through so i like that idea of having a bigger meaning basically having a bigger purpose because that's going to drive you in the long term and not just in the moment like you talked about yeah because it's a long term like this journey is it's, it's it's your life. Like this isn't something that's going to happen, you know, within a month or two. I mean, it might, but it, you know, it's for the most, for most people it's not. So you do have to have something sustainable carrying you throughout that. Also, if you can attach that purpose or meaning to something greater than yourself, now you have somebody else to be accountable to. So for example, if you're doing what you're doing, not only for yourself, but for you to be able to provide your family with a better life. Well, when Monday morning comes around and you don't feel like training, now it's not just about yourself, but now it becomes about something bigger than yourself. So if you can attach your reasons and your purpose to something greater than yourself, it might be family, it might be wanting to make an impact, find that, that thing that's going to be greater than yourself, that's going to help you know, create that longer term motivation. Absolutely. For the next chunk of the podcast, let's talk about very practical tools that people can use to be more productive, be more disciplined and consistent in their life. So I'll let you take this wherever you want. Uh, Maybe you can start off with a couple tools that you use every single day in your life to help you be more productive and consistent to achieving your goals. So one thing that I do every single night um, or I try to do every single night is it doesn't necessarily have to be meditation, but I, I just like to take time before I go to bed to sort of reset and recalibrate myself for the upcoming day. It doesn't mean you have to like create a whole plan for your next day, but it, you know, if it's even just as simple as being alone without any sort of distractions, maybe with like a, a pen and paper, writing down your thoughts, writing down what you want to achieve, um, just sort of like being with yourself because I feel like so many times or you know throw the entire day we're surrounded by other people all different ideas just having this time at the end of the day to just be by yourself and realign yourself with your goals your values is super helpful for me so you know taking 15 20 minutes end of every single day is something very practical and simple that uh, you know anyone listening can try to implement into their life that's that's one thing that's really helped me just like stay focused and be motivated <laughs> yeah just to bounce off of that one thing that has been huge for me has been my night routines. So I try and space out the 10 to 15 minutes before I go to sleep to be intentional about what I want to do the next day. Because I realized the nights where I don't take those 10 to 15 minutes and I just go to sleep, I'm waking up and I'm just reacting to whatever is going on. But if I created that space of 10 to 15 minutes and you mentioned something great about silence, just being with yourself, that's the time where you plan what's going to happen the next day. And if you actually plan what's going to happen the next day, when you wake up, you have something to follow and you're not just going to be reactive to whatever is happening around you. 
And another thing, you know, adding on top of that, planning your next day, starting off your day with something that pushes you in the right direction. So, you know, whether, you know, you know, whether it be taking a cold shower, I, I personally like cold showers just because it's something, A, that's outside of my comfort zone and uh, just like wakes me up. So two birds, one stone. Um, starting your day off right. It could be anything. For me, it's cold showers. That's a good one. Some tools I use in the morning journaling sometimes i go for a three minute walk or a jog around the block and that really helps just to elevate the blood flow and get the mind working reading small tools like that cold shower a bit extreme but i like that one too i've tried it just having structure because we talked about it a couple minutes ago if you get the small wins that's going to provide motivation to then get the big wins in the day 100 percent. now this is kind of random but have you ever played mario kart I have. You know the you know the parts of the track that like are that boost you. They're like the rainbow things that like you go you go on them when you get go, go faster. Yeah. So I kind of view <laughs> I kind of view my daily life like that. <laughs> so there's gonna be you're at your regular speed. You know you're driving with your regular speed throughout the day. But if there are portions of your day that you can set up as like boosts to to keep um, you know moving forward. Uh, I find that very helpful. So, you know, whether it be like, uh, it could even be as simple as the food that you make. Like maybe it's like lunch. Maybe like lunch is something that you really pay attention to. That's like a boost that you can, um, you know, use to further yourself through the day. So in the morning, start off with a cold shower, really pay attention to what I'm having for lunch. So like in between that time, I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm working. But as soon as I hit that time period where I get that boost, it's like, okay, I'm back. I'm, I'm refreshed. I'm ready to keep, I'm ready to keep going. So I kind of view my day like that as random as that analogy is it's just sort of how I see it. It's a really good analogy. I like that. And I would say it's really important to try and schedule those boosts because how often do you have moments in your day where you're operating at, let's say a six out of 10 low energy state, you're not fully productive but in the moment, because you're at a 6 out of 10, you're not at the right state to be able to actively use that boost. So instead, if it's actively scheduled somewhere in your day, well, then it's going to be a lot easier to actually follow through with it. So true. Yeah, I could not. That's such an important point. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, you know, actually, one other, th one other thing that uh, is a great boost is... So this was this started in quarantine because we didn't have access to gyms. I would call my friend and be like, yo, let's work out together over the phone or like over FaceTime. And that was a great way to schedule something in my day where I'm, you know, get realigned. Uh, you know, if I, even if I'm not feeling great, like you said, operating at a six out of 10, as soon as I hit that phone call, I can't be a six out of 10 because there's, I'm, you know, there's, there's someone else there that I'm working out with. It's that motivation. So that's a great way to like that. I realign myself with, uh, you know, like it's a good boost so great point schedule them yeah and adding that social accountability is big too so doing a workout with a friend as you mentioned that's been big for me like anytime i'm doing something with someone not only do you feel great in the moment but you also feel great afterwards right like after this podcast you know i'm gonna be fully motivated i'm ready to take on whatever is next unfortunately it's nighttime here but hey the week is coming up so it's gonna be a great week well, that's the thing too. It's like, that's why I love having people like you in my life who are, you know, have the same goals, 100% same. Like I'm going to, I'm going to use this as motivation 
for this entire week. And that's why I think it's important to have people with similar goals who align themselves similar to you so that these opportunities do happen, um, you know, whether they're scheduled or not. Uh, like, for example, you just asked me, do you want to be on my podcast? And of course, I'm going to say yes, because I recognize it not only as an opportunity to have a great conversation with you, but also as an opportunity to like realign myself if in that moment I'm not feeling, um, you know, as motivated or whatever it may be. So, yeah, definitely. So before we get into some quick fire questions, is there any other topic, anything else you want to talk about? No, I feel like I feel like I've gone in enough rants right <laughs> so far. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> we touch on a lot of great topics. We're gonna do some quick fire and then we'll get you to leave everyone off with the final message. So these can be answered in a sentence or a couple. The first one is what is your favorite team? And who is your favorite player? So, favorite team, Atletico Madrid. And favorite player is Cavani, Edison Cavani. Um, yeah, I just, I just have always loved the way he plays. I like, I like who he is as a person or who I think he is as a person. And Atletico Madrid, just because I feel like they're kind of an, an underdog, but they're not... Yeah, like the, the kind of, even though they just won the league. I don't know. I like, I just, I just connect with them on some level. I like Atletico Madrid attacking all the time and they just won the league. So they're looking good. What's the best part of your game as a player? The creative aspect of it. That's what had me fall in love with the game to begin with. It was just uh, the ability to like express myself. Now, you know, that could be a flaw on one hand, but I feel like being able to control it and have discipline while also having the creative, um, you know, aspect like come natural to me, I feel like is, uh, is a very powerful thing if, if I'm able to consistently control it, which I've had trouble with in the past, which has gotten me like cut from teams. What's your worst part of your game or the part that currently needs the most improvement? Okay, the part of my game that needs the most improvement, I feel like will always be and has been um, just positional IQ and an understanding of the game on a technical level. Um, you know, I, I, I play off impulse a lot and I feel like the disciplinary aspect of the game is something that I constantly need to be improving and studying on. I feel like part of that just comes from a lack of culture here. Um, don't never really had any good coaches teach me how to play my position properly and going overseas really exposed that. So that's something I really need to, to work on. That's for sure going to come with experience too. Let's do a prediction. Where do you see yourself playing one year from now and then five years from now? Okay. In one year from now, I see myself playing, you know, in Europe, whether that be Portugal or anywhere else at a at a lower division. I'm not going to start off at the higher division. I don't see that happening unless something, you know, like a connection comes through. But I see myself working my way up. And then so in five years, I'll be playing, you know, in the first two uh, divisions of a one of the top uh, European countries. So that would like be Portugal, France, England, Spain, Italy, or Germany. Looking forward to seeing it. What brings you the most joy? The journey the all the experiences along the way like football is great it's a beautiful game but it's the it's the people you meet along the way and the places you get to visit that kind of made me solidify the fact that this is what i want to do i love that 
What do you like doing on an off day? Let's say you don't have work, you don't have training, it's a recovery day. What's Diego going to be doing? Going for a hike and going to the river. Here, especially in Vancouver and BC, we've got uh, mountains and we've got great forests and it's right in my backyard here. So just go for a hike, hop in the river. It's the best, best thing ever. It's like my favorite thing to do. Nice. What's one bucket list item other than pro football that you want to achieve? Probably collaborating in person with other social media like influencers who have also tried to do the same thing. So that would like be Matt Sheldon, Sheldon Tweedy, you, um, like just just really creating and solidifying myself, um, you know, up there with them in the, in terms of like the football social media space. Imagine a game where we have all the YouTube footballers come together and play 11 v 11 we're gonna make that happen we're gonna make that happen yeah that's that's low-key something that i've been like wanting to happen for a while that would be sick diego let us know where we can connect with you and where we can follow your journey yeah, well, first of all, I just want to say, you know, once again, thank you for having me on the podcast. I know that we're wrapping it up here. And to everyone listening, um, if you if you enjoy my ramblings and my rants, then you can find me on social media, um, you know, at Diego TGL, pretty much on every single platform. So I'm on Twitter. That's where I share, uh, you know, really like what's on my mind, just like my raw thoughts and and some like insight. I'll retweet some interesting stuff. And uh, on Instagram, I document pretty much my daily life on my stories. And then I'll share... Uh, you know, posts and stuff like that. And then TikTok, I, TikTok's a whole different, whole different <laughs> thing. But, um, but yeah, I'm Diego TGL and everywhere on social media. Oh, and then YouTube, I've documented my journey to pro as well. And I've got like seasons. So I'm trying to make like a reality series. So I've got like episodes and seasons. And right now, um, season three, Canada. So we'll see what happens in season four. Really interesting. Recommend anyone listening to tune in with that. I'm going to put all those links in the show notes so people can check you out and also connect with Diego. He's super open to connecting with new people. Diego, thank you for coming on. Give us a final message to wrap up the podcast. This can be about anything, just a final message from you. It's really difficult to to just pinpoint one thing to leave off with because there are so many things, you know, hence life being complex. But I feel like if there's one thing that I feel like is most important about life is enjoying the everyday because you don't know when life can end. You don't know, you know, like we don't, we don't, as much as we like to think we know what life is about and what happens in life, we really don't, we really don't know anything. So enjoy the day to day, be grateful for what you have and, you know, equally look forward to the future, but just enjoy the journey. Beautiful message. Diego, thank you so much for coming on. And, um, I'm excited to continue supporting the journey. Yeah, thank you again, Sohail, for having me on. Uh, and thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 8 Billion Gifts podcast. Check out the links in the description if you are looking to get connected with this week's guest. This is a great platform to expand your network, connect with people who come on, and to learn something new at the same time. Stay tuned for next week's episode featuring a new story and mindset. In the meantime, keep learning, keep growing, and have an amazing day.